This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to our second show of 2021. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're live from our studios here at Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City, our flagship station. Happy New Year, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well and staying safe as we move into a new year and hopefully a much more positive and happy time in our lives as we get talking today about sports psychology. You know, I've been doing this show. I'm in my 40th year of work as a sports psychologist, my 30th year of work on the radio. And last week, I want to thank my guest, Alan Mayer, one of the best goalkeepers in American soccer history, who came on the show with us. Alan was the very first guest on my very first show back in 1992, and it was great to talk to him again, just about the, the, the mental side of sports and sports psychology and mindsets and how important it is. And, you know, I always like to say you can have two athletes who are physically the same, and the one with the stronger mind will be the one who will come out on top. So how do you get a stronger mind? How does that happen? Especially in light of today, with everything going on, with the pandemic, with the issues politically and racially we have going on in our society, we have all this stress, economic issues, everyone's stressed out with everything going on. And the mental aspect of life, psychological aspect of life is so important now just to stay healthy. And when it comes to sports, I guess there's so many different words I could talk about that are important. Attitude, preparation, focus, communication, listening. There are just so many different areas we could get into. But I thought today I'd start the year off after our interview last week with a discussion about what I think is the foundation of success and it's self-confidence. How do you build it? How do you destroy it? Why do some people display tremendous amounts of confidence under adversity? And why do some people choke and fall apart? Well, there's a reason for that. And I think a lot of it's about how we're trained. You know, some people say, are we born confident? I, I, I think it's something we can develop and learn to acquire as we move on in, in our lives. Excuse me, but I, I'm going to emphasize that for me, confidence really comes from learning how to fail. And when I say that, what I mean is this. I think that the, the most confident athletes, if you look at athletes who are successful, it doesn't have to be an athlete, it could be anybody. It could be any, any, any work, walk of life, any type of work you do. I think the people who become really successful and have a solid foundation of confidence, not fake confidence, but people who are really solid with it have learned about adversity and failure early on 
They've learned not to be scared of it. They've learned to embrace it and, and realize it's part of growth. And so that when they do fail as they get older, it isn't something they get scared of, that they run away from, that they're hesitant to deal with. So that's what I want to get into today because I think, quite frankly, that self-confidence is the foundation of how we perform, how we do things. And I'd love to open up our phone lines and get your thoughts on this, on how important you feel self-confidence is in what you do. It doesn't have to be sports, it could be life. It could be sales, it could be relationships, it could be education, it could be anything. But I think if you take that the term self-confidence, what does it mean? It means the ability to believe in yourself, in your skills, in your abilities. How do you build it? How do you destroy it? I'm co-author of a book, as I mentioned for a long time, with Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame reliever Jeff Montgomery and USA Swimming Hall of Fame coach Peter Malone. The book's called Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. Our third chapter in the book is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. A lot of people say, come on, Doc, why would you say, say failure can lead to fun? Well, because I think if you learn in your activity about failing, about screwing up, about making mistakes, and not to run from it, not to hide from it, not to be scared of it, but to grow from it, you will get better. Because we're all going to fail. We're all going to screw up. I failed many times in my life. Believe me, you can ask people who know me. Ask my sons. I've screwed up with things with them. Everybody does. You know, I get people in my office all the time who will say they're a perfectionist. You know what? Everyone that comes in and tells me they're a perfectionist, you know what? They're all miserable. They're not happy because they're always try, <clears throat> trying to do everything right all the time. And then when they don't, they get down on themselves. And I'm like, well, okay, first of all, I ask people, have you ever met anyone who's perfect? And the honest answer is, of course not. Everyone screws up. I said, okay, so if everyone screws up and nobody's perfect, then why are you trying to be a perfectionist? Because you can't be something that's not possible. So my emphasis to them is, let's instead of trying to focus on being perfect, how can you be the best you can be? How can you grow and learn when you screw up? Because we all make mistakes. We don't. No one gets a hundred percent on every test in school. You know, let's face it. Right now, you've got Patrick Mahomes and, and Aaron Rodgers. And Josh Allen vying for the MVP in the, in the league, in the in the NFL. But when's the last time any of those three guys threw a completion on every pass? They don't do it. You know, mistakes happen. Maybe the greatest, the greatest sport about failure is baseball. Having been the Kansas City Royal sports psychologist in the past a couple of times and work with many athletes. In fact, I just did a podcast with former Royal John Buck, one of the best people I've ever met in sports, one of the best people I've ever known. He has a podcast called Behind the Dish. He interviewed me this week. We talked about it. I mean, you're going to fail. You're going to screw up. Baseball, you screw up. I mean, George Brett, the best Kansas City Royals player ever, is in the Hall of Fame. His career batting average is just over 300. What does that mean? He got a hit three times out of 10. That means seven times out of 10, he failed getting a hit. Didn't mean he didn't have a quality AB. Didn't mean he hit a line drive that got caught. You're in the Hall of Fame in baseball. You fail 70% of the time. 
Kobe Bryant, I always talk about this, God rest his soul, has the record for most missed shots in the history of the NBA. And he got that record two years before he retired. He missed a heck of a lot of shots. Michael Jordan's shooting percentage was 50%. You screw up a lot. So when you learn from that and you grow from that, you have to figure out how am I going to make this something that's going to help me get better. So that's what I want to talk about today. So I'd like to hear from you. How have you learned from failure building your, how has failure helped to build your self-confidence? I'd like to hear from you if you're an athlete, if you're a coach, or it doesn't matter, it could be anything in life, not just sports. Confidence to me is the foundation of what we do. And how did you build your confidence when you were younger? Was there a situation where you failed or screwed up that helped you become stronger or better at what you do? I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach, you're an athlete, if you're a fan. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. We're talking today about why I found the foundation of success in life is building confidence. Give me a call and let's talk. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hey there, this is Tech Life columnist Jennifer Jolly with some early looks at CES 2021 Best Gadgets, starting with Samsung's Galaxy Chromebook 2. This two-in-one device has the world's first QLED display on a Chromebook. That's the same tech Samsung uses in their best TVs. Plus, they sweetened the sound, extended battery life, and lowered the price. Expected out in Q1 for just under $550. In the germ-fighting category, check out this two-office antimicrobial backpack from Target. This is made out of water-resistant silver ion material, so there are germ and bacteria-fighting features threaded and embedded throughout the entire device, creating a better barrier between the outside world and your safe little bubble at home. This should be out by April for around $120. Meantime, Kohler is showing off its newest touchless toilet. You can flush with a wave of your hand. They also have touchless faucets with smart sensors for kitchen and bath as well. Also big, more delight out of your smart home gadgets like Moxie's showerhead, high-end Bluetooth speaker, and the Stillness Bath, a Japanese zen-like tub for home with light, fog, and aromatherapy. The HD 1080p Sync indoor smart camera has night vision, two-way audio, and you can check it from your mobile device. But the coolest part, you can save locally to an SD card. You can expect it out on store shelves in May, just under $70. Go to my website, techish.com, for more. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? 
Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Olivia, from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports, and today's topic is this. Self-confidence. How is failure, learning how to fail, dealing with failure, the key component to building confidence? And I'd love to hear from you. If you're a coach, how do you coach confidence? How do you coach an athlete? How do you coach your team to build their confidence, to believe in themselves? What's confidence mean? It means believing in your skills and abilities and what you can do. So how do you do that if you're a coach, a leader, a director, an instructor, a teacher? To me, it's, it's I, I, I really strongly believe this. Teaching your team, your athletes, your, your students how to make mistakes, how to fail, how to screw up, how to do things wrong. And to not be afraid of it. Because through my 40 years of work, actually kind of grad school, 41 years of work with athletes, I've seen and I've, I've been at gosh, thousands of practices at all these different sports from, from professional to the Olympic to college to high school to youth sports. And I've seen how athletes react to screwing up. Some of them get down, get depressed, get frustrated, get irritable get stuck in negativity. Some of them use it as a challenge. They get angry. They focus better. But I think that's about how, as, as we grow up, how we're taught, especially when you start playing a sport or an activity. I mean, if you, if you play the saxophone, you're not just going to go out there and all of a sudden be Clarence Clemens. You know, you, you're, you're not going to, you know, go out there and, and, and be, the, you know, the best singer ever. It could be Taylor Swift playing the piano or, or singing the first day. 
you've got to learn. You've got to take the time to learn these skills. And as you learn them, you have to accept the fact that things will go wrong. But how you react to that, how you respond to that, will get you to build that confidence. So I'd like to hear from you. If you are a coach, how do you coach your team when they've lost, when they've failed? How do you coach your individual athletes when these things happen? If you are an athlete, you've played sports, you've messed up, how do you react to that? Because to me, when you learn how to deal with that, it's gonna make you stronger because the next time you screw up and fail, you won't be afraid, you'll move on. I don't care what you do in life, you will make mistakes at it. And so how you learn from that will make you better. I mean, everybody talks about, how do you become more confident? Doc, how do I become a more confident person? And it, it, it's not easy, but it's something that if you can challenge yourself to really look in the mirror and say, okay, why did I make a mistake? How can I make that better the next time? I know it, it, it's probably the best lesson we can all learn. All right, let's go to the phones. Our first caller today is Craig. Craig, good morning. How are you? I'm Dr. Jacobs. How's I'm it going? Good. How, good, how are you? Good, thanks for calling in. Uh, I think what you were talking about failure, I think um, you just need somebody, especially when I was younger, to just tell you when you mess up, it's going to be okay. You know, for, for a while when I was playing basketball, you know, I would, I would miss a shot and then miss another shot that you just feel like, you know, I didn't have a coach to say, don't worry about it, it's going to be okay until, for some reason until I went to football. And then once, once somebody calmed me down and said, hey, it's going to be okay, then, you know, things got better. I think that's what a lot of younger kids need to somebody, just let somebody know that it's not the end of the world, it's going to be okay. You know, like you said, nobody's perfect. So when you played basketball, you didn't have anybody telling you it was okay? Yeah. So what happened? I just well, eventually I just stopped playing. I just stopped playing basketball. But I don't know. I just I think when I was younger, I just didn't have those kind of coaches that could, I guess, get the best out of me in that sport. Until uh, I guess it's just different in football, where a, a lot of my coaches in football and baseball could could explain it better, and you know, basically focus on the things that that I did well to get the confidence up. So in baseball and football when you failed you weren't scared to do it again whereas in basketball maybe you you were and that's why you quit playing yeah yeah interesting interesting so you didn't have coaches that were supportive of you playing basketball whereas in baseball and football you did yeah are you a, a parent yes how old are your kids uh soon to be five and eight okay perfect so what are you teaching them are that i assume they're in some kind of activities yeah uh tumbling and uh dance and well it was t-ball but you know, covid kind of stopped that for a little bit right okay so tumbling and dance i, I work with a young lady who, who tumbles wants to go to college and, and be on the t tumbling team so you're not always going to do that right so when i assume is it your daughter yes okay so when she makes mistakes how did how do her coaches help her with that or how, what do you or, or her mother say to her about it I mean, just basically the same thing, and I tell her the same thing. Like it's gonna be okay, you know. You, you, you weren't the best on the first day, and I remember when we started tumbling and dance. My oldest, she didn't even she didn't want to go. She didn't even want us to sign her up. And now, she, if she could go more days, she only goes one day a week. But if she could go more days, she would. But uh, you just, it, it's crazy that they were so. She was so scared, and didn't even want to get out of the car. And now, 
she can't wait to get out of the car. You know, she can't wait for the car to stop to get out. So, so let me that that's great, Craig. That's great, and that that's the way it handles. So let me go back to you when you were younger. When you played basketball and you missed a shot, did you have a coach that got angry at you? No, they didn't get they didn't get angry. They just they just didn't do anything to boost that confidence. I okay. Guess okay. They, did, they didn't they didn't compound to make the situation worse. And I think I did more. I wouldn't say damage to myself than the coach I did to me because then I was in my head. And I and I could I would still be a good basketball player. I guess I just didn't shoot the ball. You know, I could still do other things that would help the team. I just didn't but you got scared. To, you got scared to shoot the ball because you're missing it and you didn't want to miss it. Right. And I'm guessing somebody said something to you that may have been negative along the way, maybe a teammate or somebody. I mean, not that I can remember, but I guess if I'm shooting and I'm missing, and there are other guys that are consistently making, it it just makes me feel worse. That why why can't I do what they're doing? Well, that's 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 okay. So in that situation. And I always tell people, you know, the comparison thing is not healthy. But when you start comparing yourself to other people, the key thing to me is this. Asking yourself, okay, what is it they're doing that's allowing them to be successful? Can I apply that to me or is that something I can't do? But how can I apply something different to make me better? You know, I think we compare ourselves to other people. Sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves to be like them. And we may not be like them. So it's how you can take their qualities and learn from that and use that as a positive for you. Well, listen, sir, good luck with your kids. Thank you for calling in. Great comments. And uh, go out and shoot some hoops today. Maybe you, you'll make a few. Thanks. <laughs> I'm a lot better as an adult. Well, I guess I don't put that pressure because there's no pressure. <laughs> yeah, well, go go, go shoot yeah. someone and you miss it. Tell yourself how you're going to come back on the next one and see what happens. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. Thanks for your call. Take care. All right, thank you. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Today I'm talking about self-confidence and how you can build it up and how failure to me, learning about failure, learning how to fail, can become part of the foundation of building up confidence. So I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, someone like Craig who's a parent, has got young kids. How do you build that confidence in your kids? How do you build it in you? How, how have you learned when you failed at something? It doesn't have to be sports. It could be anything in life. What did you learn about yourself that's made you better? Because in the end, that's what it comes down to. What makes you better and stronger? We're all going to screw up at something, and you play sports, you're going to screw up all the time. You know, as I always like to tell the athletes I work with, you know, there's only one sport I know where you always make your last shot, and that's golf. I can't think of anything else where you always make your last shot all the time. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio.
One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. Talking about the mental side of sports, our show is live here in Kansas City on Sunday mornings and rebroadcast throughout the country in a number of stations each week. It's also podcasted on Sports Radio 810 WHB, on my website, winnersunlimited.com, and on all the podcast apps, SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, Spotify. Our shows are rebroadcast, and a number of people listen to these. I get emails quite frequently from people all over the place with comments about the shows. And today's topic is this. I'm talking about self-confidence. And... To me, it's the foundation of what we do with everything, but especially in the world of sports. If you're an athlete, if you play some kind of athletic event, if you're confident, 
You feel better about yourself. You're not afraid to screw up. You move on. If you lack confidence, if your confidence gets dinged or harmed, then the self-doubt creeps in, the negative thoughts creep in, and then you question everything, then you're hesitant, then you don't do well. I'm of the belief that really confident athletes, specifically since we're talking about sports, but it could be anything in life, specifically learn as a youngster to not be afraid to mess up. They're taught that when they fail, it's part of what goes on, and they're asked, I think the really good coaches, when a young person makes a mistake, they'll ask them, coach them, talk to them about at practice, like let's say you're at a game, let's say you're an eight-year-old baseball player, let's just use that as an example, eight or nine-year-old baseball player, well, you're going to screw up. You strike out, you drop a ball, your ball goes through your legs. Rather than having a coach stomp around and yell and scream and get mad at you, which happens too often, you know, come to the bench, coach pats, you know, pat him on the back, hey, good try, good effort, let's go for it next time. Then at practice, at practice, you work on that with them. Hit some ground balls to them, teach them how to feel the ball properly, how to swing the bat properly, how to shoot a ball properly, whatever it might be. How to, how, if you're a swimmer, how to make your turn, how to breathe, get your, your breathing sequence going, whatever it might be. A good coach, I've been, I, you know, one of my favorite sayings is a good coach is a good psychologist, a bad coach is a sports psychologist. Good coaches do not get angry at their athletes for screwing up. They may be disappointed, but they're not going to get angry. I mean, do you really think a, a, when you're coaching a young athlete that they drop the ball on purpose or they miss the free throw on purpose? I mean, I'm sure there's somebody that does that once in a while, but that's not what I'm talking about. In general, I'm not going to do it on purpose. So if you get angry at them or yell at them or degrade them, What's going to be in their mind the next time that ball comes to them? Well, they're going to want to screw up again. All right, so I think good coaches teach failure as a productive, positive thing. It's part of what we do. All right, I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach, how do you coach it when your athletes screw up? Do you get angry and lose it? Or do you try to be supportive and encouraging and reinforcing? Okay, Blake, you played sports forever specifically football in college, I know you screwed up at least once. As maybe. Okay. So how did you <laughs> cope with that? You mean how did how did uh how did I personally cope with screwing up or, or on the coaching aspect, how what was the best way to, to kind of How did you cope with it? And then how did the coaches like you played defensive back, correct? I, I played both defensive back and receiver. Okay. Yes. So when you dropped the ball or you missed a tackle, did you ever have a coach get angry at you? Yeah. Okay. When you were younger, how did that affect you compared to when you got older in college? Um, actually, when I was younger, it probably didn't affect me that much. I was a pretty, you know, I was kind of like a duck in water, uh, water right off the back. When I was younger, it didn't, it did not affect me as much. I always, I always was quick to have a short memory and just come back strong on the next one. When I got into college, it was a little bit, you know, you're getting older and we have a phone call. You're getting older, and uh, one second. Okay, so how you learn from this? allows you to grow. And I'm, I'm of the belief, no matter what sport you play, no matter what activity you're in, you're, you're gonna make a mistake. But I think to me, and in our book, like I said, our, our, our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun, because it teaches us that when you do mess up, 
Why did I do it? How did I grow from it? How do I get better? All right, let's go to the phones. Let's see what Phil has to say. Phil, good morning. Dr. Jacobs, how are you? Hi, thanks. Thanks for calling. So, uh, uh, so yeah, so I'm listening to you guys talking about how do you deal with failure. Basically, your your whole notion, you're, te- you're trying to teach people how to be Well, thanks for that, Phil. Okay, so obviously, let's go back to Blake. I, you know, I'm teaching people. Let, let's talk about it. I'm teaching people how to be All right, well, you know what we're teaching? We're teaching people how to grow and learn. Okay, so he's gone. All right. I don't Blake. know. If, I don't know if Phil's ever played sports in his life because I mean, I've played around a lot of people, and if that's the mentality that you had from that you learned from failure, you must never learn from failure. And so, I'm not really sure where you're coming from on that one, Phil. But uh, to kind of go back to what we were talking about, coping. Of course, he also hung up, so he's yeah. gone. Okay. So he, here's the deal: you are going to fail. Okay. And the question is, when you fail, how do you move on? Okay, so when you failed, you dropped a pass or something. Like you said, when you were younger, you were ducking water. It didn't bother you. When you got older, it bothered you a little bit. Yeah, there was a time where um, I got into college, and I, w- I had come off an amazing summer. I was catching everything, lights out. Um, and then coming into the season, all of a sudden, dropped one ball, dropped two balls. Then I got in this. I, I basically got the yips for like two weeks. I couldn't catch anything. I couldn't catch cold. And it was so weird because I was I'd come off such a hot summer. So that was one of the times where I really had to kind of sit myself down. And, and you put so much pressure on the next drop that the next play you're putting even more pressure on yourself. So you, I really had to sit down and kind of go over after practice my mental state. Like, hey, what am I doing coming into practice? Why am I putting so much pressure on myself for the next one? Is it because I'm afraid to fail? Am I afraid to drop it? Am I just not focusing enough. So I really had to sit down and kind of evaluate my mindset coming in because I know my skill was there. That's no problem. It was, where am I coming in mentally? And am I starting practice expecting to fail? And that's what's so, scaring So me? when you thought that way, what happened? If you started practice expecting to fail? I think I think it sets your whole tone wrong. I mean, if you're if you're coming into practice going, oh God, I hope I don't drop something or oh God, I hope the coaches don't yell at me, you're already setting yourself up for failure. You have to be comfortable when you lace up those cleats. You have to be comfortable when you put your headgear on, when you're putting your helmet on, whatever it is, whatever sport you're playing. You can't come in expecting to mess up and hopefully not get yelled at. You have to say, hey, I'm going to go out here and give 110%. Whatever happens, happens, but I can't be thinking about it beforehand. Almost let it let it come naturally. Don't think so much into it. So I almost had to put my pedal to the metal for the effort, but take, you know, take the take the reins off of my thinking. Of my thinking. Right, yeah. Exactly. So let, let's go back to our caller here who, you know, said what he said. When you have coaches who get angry at someone for screwing up or messing up, and then you get angry at them and let them know that, how's that going to make them feel as a kid? I think it, it kind of depends. If you're just yelling to yell and you're not there to have a teaching moment with the kid, it's not going to help the kid that much. Now, everybody is coached a little differently. Some people need to be, you know, some people need that kick on the butt. Exactly. Some, some people don't. And it just kind of depends. As a coach, you have to evaluate how your kids learn, not just, you know, one size fits all. So if you're just yelling to yell, if you do that, okay, but make sure after you do that, you take that kid aside and say, hey, th- this is where I'm coming from. No harm, no foul. This is how we can fix that going forward. Instead of just leaving it like, hey, I'm just going to um, chew your ass out and then then I'm not going to talk to you the rest of the practice. The problem is no matter what sport you play, no matter what level you're at, when you screw up and make a mistake, you have to move on. And if you can't take that as a learning experience, then it sticks in your head. You know, you can go back to all the Dale Carnegie books that he wrote, How to Win Friends and Influence People, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, all these books, you know, all these books that he wrote. 
How to Develop Self-Confidence and Influence People by Public Speaking. He wrote all these books because lots of people get scared when they've made a mistake and then they internalize it and then they have the self-doubt creeps in. And then when that self-doubt creeps, I mean, I've seen it with professional athletes, with Olympic athletes. When I worked in the Olympic cycling team, we had a very, very famous cyclist who was afraid to go downhill full speed. Well, I didn't blame her because she's going you know, 50 miles an hour on a bike downhill, okay, and she had to deal with that. And it's scary. Sometimes it can be really scary. So you have to deal with that fear. You've got to attack it and not run from it. And if you attack it and accept it's going to happen, you know, mistakes are going to happen, but then you don't become scared of it, you grow and get better. All right, I'd love to hear from you. 913 is our number. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. The topic today is self-confidence, how failure and learning how to deal with failure will help you grow and get better in whatever you do. I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach, you're an athlete, doesn't matter what you do because we're all going to screw up. So when you screwed up, what did that teach you about yourself and how did you become better at your sport, at your activity from that? This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. 
Storing your gun securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I'm every week as we talk about the mental side of sports. And today's topic is this self-confidence. How do you build it? How do you destroy it? And one of the things I've been discussing is, can failure become the catalyst, the instigator to help you learn how to grow with your confidence? Confidence to me is about the ability to believe in yourself and succeed at whatever you're going to do. We all screw up and fail. So if you continually fail and continually screw up, is that because the self-doubt creeps in, the negative thinking creeps in? What is that? So I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, and you find your confidence waning at times, falling apart at times. Why is that? Okay, Blake, what were you going to comment on? Oh. <laughs> uh, I was going to say uh, just a, another kind of reminder to, to, to Scott's point. Uh, to get onto a show, you mean Phil or Phil? Yeah, whatever the <laughs> name was. Uh, to get onto a show, call in when we're talking about you know the coaching aspect, and the first thing you say is you know you're teaching somebody to be a, and then you immediately hang up the phone and don't even sit there to maybe elaborate on your own argument or point would be kind of the exact definition of being a. So I'm not. <laughs> Uh, that that just kind of floored me. It's like, well, you you kind of just proved your own point that that's exactly what you. <laughs> well, here here's the deal. We're all going to screw up, and some people think it's a sign of weakness. Think there's something wrong with you when you screw up, and then you get insulted and degraded. Okay, I've met so many people in my over forty years of work who have had trouble succeeding because they've been insulted or degraded or called names like that, okay, because they failed, all right? And we are all going to screw up at something, okay? And I just think, and, and from the work I've done throughout my career, I found that most, not all, but most of the real successful athletes had scenarios in their lives when they were younger where they messed up. And then when they did mess up, they had coaches or parents or teammates who didn't berate them and degrade them, they would sit there and try to figure out why they messed up. I mean, and, and that's where you learn. Okay, so then you don't become afraid of it. And then you don't become afraid of dropping that pass or missing that shot. I know when I worked with the University of Kansas years ago, my first job as a sports psychologist with the, K, the KU track teams, and then it expanded to the whole athletic department. I worked with the basketball team when Larry Brown was coaching there. We had a fellow named Calvin Thompson, who will always have the Big 8 record for consecutive free throws. I think it's like 31 or 32 in a row since there's no more Big 8. But, you know, we worked on a routine and what to focus on. And so there wasn't a question when he had, when he go to the line to shoot, am I going to make it or going to miss it? He'd say, okay, what do I have to do to make it? And then eventually he's going to miss it. For years I worked in public knowledge. Tom Gordon, a great relief pitcher, who had the major league record, 54 saves in a row got eventually broken by Eric Gagne, but 54 saves in a row, number 55 didn't happen because he bled his arm. 
But it was when that negativity happens, how are you going to grow from it and learn from it? And that's the whole key thing with this. In sports, no matter what sport you play, no matter how good you are, you will make a mistake. And my premise is the really good athletes, the successful athletes, are able to overcome that and not let it become that, that, let that self-doubt creep in their heads. So I'd love to hear from you. And, and that's the, the, the bottom line with this. Because I've had the privilege to work with some great people throughout my life, throughout my career. And I found that the ones that survive have accepted and learned that when they fail and screw up, it's okay. They don't like it. They don't, they, they don't enjoy it. But it's something that they've taken as a, as a, as a catalyst, as a, as a motivator to help them get better. All right, let's go to the phones. Let's see what Dave has to say. Dave, good morning. I'm Dr. Jacobs, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Good. Yeah, I was going to comment on that. I started uh, volunteering for the YMCA coaching teams, and then I started coaching my kids' teams. And the reason I did that was because the kids were single-parent kids, and after school they were going home and there was no parents there and they were getting in trouble. So I decided I'd go ahead and take the time and start coaching them. And Well, before you say, before you say anything else, thank you for doing that, sir. Thank you for doing hey, that. Go ahead. No, no problem, man. That's just what I like doing. So I had uh, I started out with football, and I had 17 kids. I had my son was one of them, and there were three white kids, two Mexican kids, and the rest what ten black or whatever. And they were all in the same grade, all in the same problem, single parent, most of them. <laughs> And the thing about them kids is their peer pressure was so uh, incredibly uh, important to them that if, if you got on them in front of the other kids, it would demoralize them, basically, and it would kind of put them into a shell. So what what happens with high school sports is there, there's such a click with the, the all the rotary clubs and all that kind of stuff that you have to, you know, belong to to even get in on the team which to me is what what's really ruined the sports for kids and i you know the kids you come they see you today and they say hey hey dave how you doing or something you know they come up to you and it kind of makes you feel good that you know they remember you and all that kind of stuff but i did that for about seven years i'd go from football to basketball to baseball and we'd have two weeks between each session and so the parents sometimes didn't like me too much but it was it all started when a, these two second graders uh, mis, misbehaved and fondled a little kindergartner. And there was a Dr. Trudeau out of Topeka. He worked at Minigers. He'd come to the school, and he asked for volunteers to come up there and work recess and work to this program he'd built out where it was a role model program to help help the kids get uh, some self-esteem and have you know somebody to look up to when they didn't have parents and stuff. So, to this day, it's still a program that's in use across America, and I just wanted to say that he really did hit it. He made a good good plan there, and it really helped those kids. So you did this to help kids out who you saw were lacking maybe that confidence because they had single parents or whatever, and, and you feel like what you did really helped them out from that perspective because you tried to help them just get better at what they did. I, I did do that because I I got into that program with the Dr. Trudeau and uh, – you know, it was just uh, I had a, I had a kid at the same school that where the little girl got basically they said she got raped but she didn't. Then I had some daughters that were going to be coming up behind that. You know, so I wanted to I wanted to see what was going on. 
So I'd walk around. I worked nights. I was working nights then, and I'd walk around in recess and lunchtime and hang out and you know kind of mess around with the kids and stuff. And after a while, they got to know me and they started bonding with me. And then I asked the, the principal of the grade school if I could uh, use a gym for some sports. And at first he was hesitant, and then I said, "Well, you know, go keep these kids out of trouble." And so I ended up getting to use the gym and kind of worked it from there. And you know, it worked out pretty good. Well, Dave, listen, you you obviously made an impact on a bunch of kids' lives. Thank you for doing what you did, and I'm sure to this day a lot of those kids are thanking you in their minds for what you did to help them out. Want to well, it wasn't so much. I was I played sports my whole life. I I finally retired when I was 45 from playing softball, traveling, you know, and all that stuff. But it's just uh, I've also been an umpire for 38 years, and that's that's another thing that I really get into is I do a lot of girls' fast pitch and boys' baseball. And I started doing that when I was 18 years old. Well, you know what? Call back again when I do a show about officiating, because I'd love to hear from you with that. But we got to let you go here. Okay, We're finishing up. But thank you for your call, Appreciate sir, and thanks okay, for what uh-huh. you've done. Okay. Right. You know, the reason we do this show is to talk about this stuff and to get people, you know, to, co- to come out and talk about how they've, you know, how they've coached kids, what they've been able to teach them. And it's the whole thing today about confidence. And we had we had a couple of interesting calls there. You know, Confidence is the ability to believe in yourself. And what I found in my career, it's the one prominent thing more than anything else that a lot of people will come in and tell me they don't have much of. So we try to work on building it. And the, and, and often, quite frankly, the reason a lot of kids don't have a lot of self-confidence in their abilities is because along the way they were criticized or degraded or insulted when they screwed up. And it became something that became so prominent in their head. That's what they thought about. Hope you enjoyed the show today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every Sunday. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Our shows are rebroadcast throughout the country in a number of stations. As I said, they're podcasted here at Sports Radio 810 WHB on my website, winnersunlimited.com. You can send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. You can also give me a call at 816-561-5556. Hope you have a great week. Take care. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Olivia from Washington. 
laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna, from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha, from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.